0: Goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars. The good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can
1: name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. All right, here we go. Vegas hockey hotline, AM 1400 KSHP on a Monday. Fun week, man. Thanksgiving. My favorite day of the year. Cannot wait. Get a little break in the action. Come back Friday. We'll be done at the uh, Superbook on Friday. If you're coming into town or you're out and about, stop by, say hi. So we'll keep slugging away. Football's going to be great. The turkey's going to be great. And the hockey, all kinds of cool stuff going on all around the NHL. And specifically here in Vegas, where the kids are helping make a little bit of noise. And Vegas is finding ways to win games. And we love doing the show for you. We've got one of our very favorite guests joining us today. The one, the only, Dave Shane from the RJ is kind enough to join us on a Golden Knights game day. Don't forget, it's a Monday over at John Smith Subs. You wear any football garb over there, you get 20% off your order. If you're going to watch the Monday night game or the hockey game, save some dough. And they'll be watching the hockey game and the Monday night game and the Monday Night Maniacs party over at Oasis tonight, Forty nine fifty five South Decatur. Always good fun over there. When the Golden Knights are on the power play tonight, Adam S. Kuttner on Twitter, you get a chance. Somebody, if they score on the power play, somebody's going to win tickets to a future Golden Knights game. And when the Golden Knights and the Raiders are home, you always want to spin the wheel at Terribles with the... uh, raiders and the vgk game day giveaways all right he's a he's a cool guy he's a busy guy so we relish every second we get with him so we don't make a guy like this wait we get to him dave shane from the rj all right brother how you doing man
0: i'm good uh let's see if this earbud works i feel like the uh Old oh, man, who doesn't know how to use technology.
1: So sounds all right. <laughs> hopefully, know, hopefully, it sounds
0: okay. All, pull this off.
1: All reports are that we put a man on the moon, so um, these things should work.
0: Well, I don't know. If you ask a few of my friends, they think that's a big hoax and was staged in a movie sound studio. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know.
1: Capricorn one. <laughs> you yeah, remember, you remember <laughs> the movie? No, you don't remember what the is movie. That from? It was Cap, the movie, the movie was basically, it was that. It was Capricorn 1, and the three astronauts that were going on the moon, they knew they couldn't pull it off, and so they, but they said they had, you know, they had to make it look like they did, so it was all, you know, in a desert and a sound stage, and, 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 but then at the end, they, they also, to pull the thing off, I guess the premise of the movie was, the astronauts they made it to the moon, but they didn't make it back on reentry. So, so, so to pull the hoax off, the astronauts had to go, and the astronauts were O.J. Simpson, James Brolin, and what's the guy's name? Sam. He's on the he was on that Law and Order stuff. I could picture the guy. I don't. I never know his last. I forget his last name.
0: Um, Rockwell. Yeah. No. Yes,
1: Sam Rockwell. Yep. So, okay. so, so they escaped. When they they got wind of what they were doing, they escaped and then the astronauts were out in the desert being hunted. <laughs> you never saw
0: Capricorn <laughs> I, One? It's, no. Okay, well now I'm gonna have to look that up. I mean, I'm definitely have to that sounds like it's right up my alley, so
1: Oh yeah, no, but it's all it all about today, yep. today I learned.
0: Yeah. Well today I learned about Capricorn One. I gotta I have to figure that out now. I'm look it
1: up. Yeah, There's no no to do tonight. Yeah, no, that my God, how many years ago that was? By the by, the way, i are mean, just talking about you're you're a baby compared to me. Bruce Marshall was on uh, the first hour or last hour with us today, November twenty second. Uh, I was home from school, sick, first grade, uh, in the with JFK in Dallas, and yeah. my mom was watching as the world turns, and I was home for all of that nonsense. And and, and I, I I swear to God, I was. You know, uh, I was six years old. I remember it. I remember the whole nine yards, and she lit candles in the front vestibule. I'd actually seen Kennedy. I'm in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, where we grew up, and out in my backyard, you went through the guy's driveway, and it was one of the main drags in the city, and Kennedy had actually come through there where, you know, with the motorcade about, Six seven months before that, and I actually, I as God is my way, I remember going out there, and he was waving, and rode by, and then that. Mm. Terrifying. Mean. So I've
0: never, I've never been into like the whole you know the Kennedy conspiracy theory stuff and and all of that. But a few years ago, when the Knights were in Dallas, maybe the I think it was the first year, maybe, and and so I had to go down to the Plaza and and check it out, and I went to the museum and everything like that. It was it was pretty cool. It's a little eerie. Um, it's definitely weird to kind of kind of stand there. I think at, at one point I stood on the on the the wall that apparently the Zapruder film was yeah, was taken yeah. from, and all that. So
1: I, you know, it's but
0: here it's I a look. little it's a little odd. But like my so my birthday is tomorrow, In um, my whole life I've always kind of heard you know the November twenty second stories. You know, where were you with you know Kennedy and things like that? Just kind of being around my birthday and things like that. So. You know, my my dad has stories about it, and and you know where he was, and then sort of you know me growing up with a birthday the day after, and you know all the association with
1: it. So, well, I got to something I've been aware of. I mean, yeah, it's amazing we were on the topic, but since we were both there, the I just am curious your takeaway of that that the Bills were playing the Cowboys, so we're in you know covering the team, and we're in there, and uh, John Murphy who does play by play. On the radio broadcast now, uh, he was doing TV at the time, and he and I it was the day before the game. Said, "What do you think? Let's go. Let's go down there." And so we we hopped in a car and we went down there. And I'm telling you, when you walk in there, the hair on your arm stands up. And you go into that book depository and you look out that mm-hmm. window when you're up there. Yeah. What what is amazing? All the film and everything you've ever seen, unless you've been there, it's the scale of the thing, David. It's I mean, it's like. He could have hit him with a snowball. You know what I mean? On TV, it looks like this big, massive area. It's a bandbox. I mean, yeah. it's it's this tiny little thing that you would never. And then, like you said, you went over to the to the to the fence where, or the you know, where the was. I mean, it's like you know, it's, you're walking seventy five yards. It's like it's it's this yeah. tiny little scale. Yeah,
0: which you know for. Uh... Obviously, like, I wasn't born when it happened, so everything for me is just, you know, from, you know, the film and just history and, and all that. And so, yeah, you kind of go into it, I think, you know, me not understanding sort of the area and what it was. It's just basically a street corner. Like, you go down the street and you make a left turn, and then it curves, and then you kind of go, you know, under, like, the, I think it's like a railroad road overpass, whatever that kind of overpass is. Well, that's it. Like it's a very kind of tight area that, that building is in the corner, and yeah, you you go up and you stand and you look out that window and you can see like down, you know, the one street. I, th- I think it's Houston, maybe. I don't. I don't remember exactly. Um, and then it turns and and you can see like, you know, clearly where that shot would have come from. And like, if you believe the whole, you know, conspiracy theory and the way that his, you know, head went back, apparently, you know, it doesn't make sense. And it like. When you stand there and you look at it, and you're like, "Yeah, now I see why everybody's like, you know, that's a conspiracy." Or
1: that, you know, like you can kind of see how it doesn't quite add up the way that it apparently happened. But funny, it, you know what? Hey, yeah. it's it's a Monday. It's and it, hey, I mean, it's a historical day, and not a lot of people. I mean, a lot of young people. You know, I know some people. I'm serious. I, I I'd ask people, what does November 22nd mean to you?" And they're huh? I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. do they do they teach history in school anymore? Uh, you know, uh, and, and you know what? Like I said, I think if my birthday hadn't been a day
0: after, I don't think I would have ever in my life, you know, you know, fully appreciated like that day and the significance of it.
1: All those, I will say this: all those years, and we'll move on from this. But I, it's interesting to me that you were there all those years, I, forever. You're sitting there going, "No, no, there, there was a second guy, and it was from the front." And then you see all these different documentaries, but that, that even though his head went back, it's like the, a reaction. It was a it was kind of a reaction, and they explained that away. But but the thing was, why why did, did it did he not get hit until he was so further down the path? And I finally saw something after all these years, convinced there was a second guy, and someone actually explained it. And going no, nope, he did. He was alone. It was as he was panning when he was right underneath him. And it's not there anymore, but there used to be a street sign. It was an overhanging pole. And because the one bullet bounced and went all the way across the plaza. And the thing was, right when, and he had him right underneath him. And as he panned to, and then pulled the trigger, when he shot, he hit the bottom edge of the street sign that was there then, but was gone. And they realized that the first shot hit this street sign, and that's why the bullet ended up way over in this other area where people thought the mm. shot came from another spot, and then the first one didn't hit him when he was right underneath him, and then the shot was further down. After all those years, I mean, for 30 years, I'm like, no, nope, there had to be a second guy. Someone finally, they, they actually explained it away, said, you know what, I'm now convinced he was alone.
0: Interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean it's probably a fun one to like, you know, go back and do the Oliver Stone on like I mean, of all the things, the moon landing and that one. Like I'm not sure, I'm
1: not sure you can find some better tin foil hats. Than, I know. than those two. Okay, so let's talk about this conspiracy. How the hell are the Golden Knights winning all these games, falling behind two nothing, and kids stepping up and making some noise for them? It's pretty impressive. I mean, they are resilient. I mean, let's just cut to the chase. They find ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they really do It's I mean, I've I've struggled in some ways to explain it. I've struggled in some ways to, like, you know, come up with, like, a definitive answer as to why. I mean, I think it's any number of things. Um, I don't think you can understate the coaching job that Pete DeBoer and his staff have done just to, you know, hold everything together. Um, They've gotten good goaltending and, you know, more so than anything, it's just, I think it's it's a belief and an accountability. You know, like, that in every sport, you know, guys go down, you always hear that, you know, next man up and that mentality and all that stuff. That's fine. But there's an accountability within the locker room of, like, look, if you're in the lineup, if you're going to play, we have a standard here that you have to meet. And guys like Paul Cotter, guys like Jake LeFish guys like, you know, Ron Beard, how he's elevated his game. Like, the, the, the fact that the bottom six is not a liability at this point, at this stage, even losing guys like Carrier and, you know, Matteo and Protocol. Like that, that pizza board can put those guys out there and at worst have them be even, you know, with other teams. And then, you know, let a guy like Nick Waugh step into a role and get production from, you know, other people and, and figure it out. I mean, like they've tightened up the defense, they've gotten goaltending, they've figured out ways. You know to win, like you said, and I mean good organizations do that. Bad organizations don't. That's that's what you know. You hit crisis time, and that's sort of what what separates good teams from from bad teams in some regard.
1: Well, let's give them some big credit here because we had talked about other than Haig, who's kind of let's say yeah they developed Haig. We're saying the jury was out on. We don't know about them yet because there were a, so few opportunities and it didn't work for Cody Glass and the other guys got shipped out of here. What would the Golden Knights? What would they be like from a you know player developmental aspect where they haven't really it hasn't been needed through four and a quarter years? All of a sudden now it is, and if you see Ronberg and Lasisian and Cotter. And these guys are coming in playing well, they've scored some, you know, pretty creative goals, and you see a skill set, the moment's not too big from them for them. So now you sit there and go, When all these injuries go away and everybody comes back, you know, that's all all well and good. But the big benefit may be, David, is that these kids know that they know they can call on these kids if they need them. And they become big assets. If their opportunity's not here, they are assets. Uh, they've been trading draft picks away. They have assets now. And the other benefit, I believe, are the kids that currently are residing with the Silver Knights. When they see those guys go up there and flourish and succeed, that gives the, the kids in Henderson a big bounce in their step. And that carrot is right there. And they go, if they can do it, so can I.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, there's there's any number of you know benefits to the fact that they've been able to not only survive this but but thrive in it. Um, I think you know we were talking yesterday. I think it was, and, you know, I made a comment to you about like a hundred out of a hundred times. You know, when it comes to the playoffs, give me the team that's had adversity and speed bumps and has had to figure out and learn you know, what it takes to get through that versus the team that's had smooth sailing because that's just going to turn into the lightning a few years ago. I mean, you have have to know, you know, what to do when things don't go the way you want them to because in the playoffs, when you play against good teams and you're playing the same team over and over in a series and they scout you and they adjust and they, you know, take away certain things, like, You know, you you have to know what to do. You have to know how to overcome it. You have to know that maybe some players that you haven't relied on, you know, at key times can step up and do it. And the Knights have found out, you know, that certain guys are capable. We now know that Nick Waugh, if he needs to in a pinch, you know, can step into a top six role and there shouldn't and, you know, probably wouldn't be a drop off. He's proven that you know, at this point that that's something that they have in their back pocket that they can rely on. And, you know, that's what it takes. I mean, you know, development sometimes comes from opportunity. You got you to be given a chance to play in a bigger role against better players and, you know, improve your game. Otherwise you stay stagnant. And, you know, the guys who seize you know, that opportunity are the ones that tend to, you know, continue to push on in their career. And the guys that don't are the ones that, you know, maybe get a little stale and stall out, and you know maybe you don't see them back in the in the NHL or something at some point. But you know all the guys that they've proven or that they've had in the lineup the last few weeks have have proven to be, you know, reliable. And if you get into a pinch and you have to put a kid in there, and you're a coach and you know you can trust them, uh, that makes you sleep a whole lot easier at night than if you're tossing and turning going, you know, how am I going to, you know, figure out how to hide this kid?
1: What do you make of the uh, game with the Blues tonight? A a very successful homestand, and then they want to keep it going.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's another good test for them. Um, I thought Columbus was, you know, at least on paper with their record and certainly what they – Presented in the first period was a good test. Uh, You know, I think if you go back in that homestand, obviously the the Carolina game was, you know, Minnesota was. Like, at this point, you know, you're winning games and and you're learning about yourself, and sometimes you need to find out, you know, a little bit more, and you need to get tested. And you got to play a good team and, you know, maybe have some holes exposed that, you know, let's say a team, you know, just like, I don't know, Vancouver or something like that. Maybe didn't or couldn't. So, you know, you find out more. And and the other thing, too, is, you know, you're back on the road. You get some guys healthy. And, you know, you test out your game on the road. They they had that 2-2 and road trip through Canada and then Detroit. And you come back, you feel good about, you know, the homestand. So, you kind of want to see if you can carry it over. And, you know, they'll have a little bit of a break here, a couple days for Thanksgiving. So, you want to, you know... Try to get at least you know a couple points out of this road trip, and and maybe three or four if you, you know, if you're feeling greedy.
1: So, David ready on the trip, obviously, is close. That's that's good news.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you never know. Obviously, it's it's a fluid situation, as we always say, and and things can change. But you would certainly think he would be pointing to Nashville. You know, like why else would you have him on the trip? You know, knowing that you're going to come back and have a couple of days for Thanksgiving, if you weren't actually planning to, you know, probably work him into a game, you know, on that trip. So even though Pete Devore said that he was unavailable tonight, you you would kind of think that Wednesday might be, you know, the time that that he would join the lineup. And then yeah, you've got all kinds of different possibilities. Um, we saw some line rushes at least the other day with Pacioretty, you know, on what would be like the second line with. You know, Riley Smith and Nicholas Waugh while March still was out. You know, March still is obviously going to be the 10 days minimum in the protocol. So, you know, maybe I got to count it. Um, but maybe we see Pacioretty on, you know, that line for a game. Um, maybe that's something coming back that, you know, Pete DeVore experiment, you know, a little bit with. But anytime you can get your, you know, leading goal scorer back, it's, it's obviously going to be a boost for him.
1: I was watching that the other night, David, and I'm going. This is the kind of season it is. White Cloud comes back. He looks great, and he takes another shot off the hand. And but he goes up and hits him in the chops. I'm going, not his hand again.
0: Yeah, and then he went back to the locker room. I think everybody thought that too. And then, I think, as far as I remember, a pretty you know big sigh of relief to see him back out there. But yeah, it just it does seem like. You know, no matter what, there's always something. Um, The one thing we didn't get today was an update on Martinez. Um, Last I looked, obviously, he's still listed on IR, I believe. He's eligible to come off, though, if you, you know, go back to when it was retroactive. too. So As long as he's not on the long-term IR, which I don't think he is, at least to my knowledge. Um, So, you know, yeah, I, I guess maybe there's a possibility. We don't know for sure if he's on the trip, and maybe he you know, pops up, you know, as well here. But the more and more guys that, you know, start to come back, uh, it's certainly compelling to to think that they've been playing as well as they have, you know, as banged up as they are and could potentially go on, you know, a real run here if they, you know, get everybody back to full strength and, and click it on the same page.
1: Let's talk about the goaltending, David. Leonard has been... So good, kept them in games. The other night, here's Broiswa. You're down two nothing. This is the the thing that's amazing about how they they pulled this off. They're down two nothing. Bressois makes this incredible save. Or if it's three nothing, probably a different result. But the goalies, I mean, they're not wowing you with goals against and save percentage, but they're making the big save at the right time.
0: I don't think they could have done what they've done here in the last You know, twelve games, thirteen games, whatever it is, without the goaltending that they've got, and I think that's a, you know, it's sort of the great equalizer in all this. You know, if you look at you know a game individually from like a betting perspective, you know, I I don't want to say give out inside information. I don't want to incriminate myself or anything like that. But you know, people ask me, hey, what do I think about the game or or this or that on a on a given night, and you know, certainly I'll say you know X, Y, Z, but then you know, the qualifier with that is always like, you never know what the goal thing is going to be, you know, Robin Leonard, Grossois, or, you know, whomever else can go in there and steal a game. And I don't think, you know, from the night side, I don't think those two have stolen any games per se, because.
1: I think Leonard stole you know, the, da- think- the the Dallas game. I think he stole yeah, the I mean, yeah. you know,
0: Well, I think what they've done is kept them in it and allowed them, you know, to come back in games. I, I don't, maybe maybe one game in there yeah i think maybe you know maybe a game that they didn't deserve to win but you know look goaltending is part of it and you know you you need good goaltending to win to win a stanley cup and if you don't have it it sinks you and the fact that the knights have been able to get it at a dire time when you know certainly on the home stand they they weren't at a loss for goal if they were they were producing but when you don't have your top offensive guys you know, maybe you have to adjust your game a little bit. Yeah, you, you have to lean on your goaltending. Your goaltenders have to be your best players. And, you know, more times than not during this, this run here, that's exactly been the case.
1: You know, let's just talk about DeBoer for a second. You know, uh, we've been critical of the offense drying up at times. And then the power play became a real issue. So, you know, when you're really good in the weight of expectations, when you come up short, You're sitting there poking at it going, you know, where are they coming up short? Well, they've won a gazillion games under this guy. You know, we're talking – you know, the weird – is it's a weird analogy, but look at the job Belichick's doing with the Patriots now. You know, Brady's gone. He's got a rookie quarterback, and they're just doing what they're doing. And all this stuff that Belichick's done his entire career, this may be the best coaching job he's ever – Done, you know. I mean, you can make a case for them being coach of the year. How about the job the boar has done here to massage his way through this landmine field?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's really kind of like MacGyvered, um, <laughs> for stuff like, I mean, you know, it's a lot of like rubber bands and duct tape and you know, some bubble gum all slapping together here to like plug the dam, you know, a little bit, but that's what a good coach does and, and that's what a good team does you know you you figure out ways you squeeze you know every drop of potential out of you know certain guys um put guys in the in the in the spot to succeed you know that's the other thing too you can you know start guys in offensive zone um versus starting in the in the defensive zone you make you know, certain lines feel a little more comfortable. You try to, you know, like you, I'll use your word, massage. You know, some of the line matchups. You got six games at home. You got a last change. You know, so you can protect. You know, some some people a little bit, and you know, make sure they're in you know good position to succeed. Um, that's what good coaches do. You know, you're you're trying to, you know, sort of figure out, you know, ways to hide and mask your own weaknesses, and then, you know, exploit, you know, maybe what you can do against another team. Um, Seems like right now they've done a good job, especially when they're able to, you know, get that puck in the cycle. I've seen more cycling. um, Working behind the net, it feels like, you know, more in the last like handful of games plus than than usually they do before they – they still work, you know, kind of that low to high where they're, you know, going from down low out to the point, but there's been a little bit more work, you know, below the goal line and and trying to center the puck and and things like that, it feels, as as opposed to automatically going, you know, out to the point is, is sort of a default. I mean, you know, just little things like that, that you know, if it works against the team, if you feel like you've, you know, got an advantage, you can be a little heavier and, you know, adjust your style, play a little closer to the vest, like like they have been, those are all things that, you know, a coach can, can kind of do to manipulate the situation positively. And you know, yeah, I, I, you know, it's really easy to pick on the power play and Steve spot and all those sorts of things. But you, know, you you look at what Ryan McGill has done with the defense, you know, losing, you know, guys like Martinez and, you know, Theodore being banged up, like just, you know, all the different things and holding that together and the forwards. I mean, they really do it. You know, it's, it's easy to say all oh, they're loaded and they have a great team, and and yeah, coach, you know, should do what. But sometimes it's harder to coach, you know, a team with really high expectations, and especially when they get banged up like that. So I, I do agree that they do deserve a lot of credit, and you know, sometimes coaches it's hard to to pinpoint exactly what they're doing and you know the credit they deserve. But I think in this case, it's, it's pretty apparent.
1: So Dave, the Ottawa situation where they're off. Or they, they lost the three games. And we saw Vegas have their little setbacks here on the COVID front. What do you make all this stuff from a big-picture perspective and specifically uh, to the, what it may mean to the Olympics? That's, that's becoming a pretty slippery slope, isn't it, by the day? Yeah, I
0: mean, you know, the one thing I've tried to do for the last couple of years is always – you know, keep my politics out of it because it feels like this has all become a political thing. And if you say something, it sort of, you know, reveals what side of the aisle um, you're on. I, I guess what I'll say is that it's obvious that, you know, we're not out of this. And even when you're vaccinated, you can still test positive. Even when you're vaccinated, you can still, you know, suffer extreme symptoms and, you know, feel the effects of, of all this. I'd like to, I think we all wish that, you know, we, we lined up, got a shot, and it would be done. Unfortunately, that's, you know, that's not the case. So, you know, you see it around the league. Uh, it feels like the Knights, at least for, for their point, had the three and then haven't seen at least anybody right now, knock on wood, um, pop up since. You know, you, you'd think that it's, I guess, contained um in that regard but i you know it's pretty obvious it's not going to go away it's something that we're going to be hearing about and dealing with you know probably for the foreseeable future and yeah with regard to the olympics and china and if their stance and their you know government regulations are you know going to prevent folks who test positive from being over there then it could you know, put a kibosh on the whole thing. I, I don't know if you can get everybody over there and keep it out unless you're just in some sort of bubble. It's just been proven, you know, time and time again that it's everywhere. So, you know, you like to be optimistic. You like to think that they thought ahead and have a community plan for it. But, yeah, the later it goes and the more and more we keep hearing about it, I think it's only – Obvious to you know have those concerns that it could affect it.
1: Well, this was a thing on Hockey Night in Canada Saturday that they were talking about because clearly a lot of this is going to come strutting through here with the all star game, and they're trying to figure out logistically, you know, how are you going to pull this off. You do the all star game, and then what you're throwing like the 50 of the best players, and you're throwing them on a plane, and you know, 50 guys on a plane. And get them over there from here. But the other thing, I I had not heard this. uh, You tell me if you had. But I guess Elliot Freeman, they were talking about that anybody that tested positive over at the Olympics would be quarantined for three weeks. I had not heard that before. If I'm I'm a team or a player, I don't, you know, know, I know you want to put your country's flag on your jersey, but... Boy, oh boy, I mean, that could be a pretty steep price to pay on the back end.
0: Yeah, I don't know the three weeks. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to, like, question anything Elliot puts out there. Um, But I know there was something in terms of just, yeah, I mean, that's sort of what I was alluding to before. Like, if you go over there, if you test positive, like, there's, you know, major ramifications or implications based on their government, you know, protocol and, and things in place. They take it, you know, uh, seriously. I guess different, you know, maybe other countries do, and and how they respond to a positive test. Uh, I guess yeah. If you're a player and you're looking at that and you're thinking, you know, what happens if it's false positive? What happens if yeah. I actually do, you know, test positive? Even, you know, God forbid. At that point, yeah, there there could be some some major fallout in terms of like getting them. Back you know, afterward, uh, how would that affect the NHL team? I mean, what, what's always funny to me, and the, like the, the closest comparison that I've always tried to to use was all all of this is like the World Cup and soccer, and these guys play, you know, professionally for their clubs, but then they have to go play for their country. And a lot of times they go and they get hurt, and they come back, and it affects, you know, the pro team. And, you know, maybe the best player all of a sudden being out for, you know, a month or two drops them in the... In the standings, or something like that. If you're the team in the organization, like how are you compensated in some way, shape, or form for for that and exposing your player to it? So, I'll, I'm sure those are, those are all conversations that had to take place before you know the agreement was made that they would send the players over. But it definitely adds a different element to what's going on over there, and you know makes you kind of look at it, I think, from a different magnifying glass in terms of, like, the long term, what, what could, you know, happen out of this if there's a worst case scenario.
1: Got a couple more things for you. Before I get on to the next one, though, tell them about the podcast. When's the next one dropping?
0: Yeah, so reviewjournal.com backslash podcast. We did one last week, and we were actually taking the Thanksgiving week off. So everybody kind of marinate on the one – uh from last week, should be there. Come on, and we'll, come uh, on, we'll wait a minute.
1: Wait, whoa, week. whoa, 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 come on. There's no crying in baseball. There's no days off in hockey.
0: Have a, tur- well, have, yeah, a ter- yeah. have
1: a turkey sandwich and then go do your podcast. What do you mean? What do you mean you're taking a week off?
0: Well, I'm not going to throw Ben under the bus or anything like that. I mean, I would be more than willing to eat my turkey and give me and a-, do a podcast. Give- but You know, we've got other people that are, Part of the team, and you know, so we all agreed we're gonna we're gonna enjoy our
1: cranberries. And- Give me it's a phone call. Amazing. I'll will do it with you. You you can't be taking a week off. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? All right. Hey, yeah. by the way, so uh, I gotta ask. you. I just I didn't even realize this. You're mid we're midstream in the conversation, so I pop Golden Knights up on Cap Friendly, and I'm like, oh my god, look at this. I mean, you look at it, it it looks like it looked the first year. I mean, you look at the guys in the lineup. Riley Smith, UFA. Yanmark, UFA. RFAs, Howden, Ronberg, Lesition, Ben Jones, Nick Waugh, Keegan Colasar, McNabb, UFA, Hagen RFA, Ben Hutton, a UFA. Like, well... They asked Pete DeBoer about, oh, it'd be fun to – all the things we can do, but i got to deal with the now talking about Eichel. And we sit here and, you know, idiots like me – I won't throw you under the bus. You know, we can sit here and make up, you know, all these pie-in-the-sky line combinations, and it's fun to talk about. He's focused on the now. But you're looking at this, David. I mean, the bottom line is you still got to figure out how to make all this stuff fit down the road.
0: Yeah, that's the fun part. You know? It's like putting a puzzle together and you get to, you know, figure out which pieces go together. I mean, if I'm a coach, that's what not so much keeps me up at night, but you know, what's fun to stay up doing. Um, which I think is a little different. Like, you know, I think I think if you're Pete DeVore and that staff, you probably get a little excited about, you know, hey, you know, would would this combination work? Can we break up you know, Stone and Pacioretty. Like, what would that do to a third line? How much, you know, deeper could we get? Like, that would be fun. I think to, you know, throw a bunch of names on the wall and, and kind of see what looks cool and what sticks.
1: And I wonder. I mean, we've said this all along. In the regular season, where they've gotten themselves back to, but everybody else is still winning in the division. But the fact that they've at least done what they've done now would give them the wiggle room to try to take a shot and tweak things around a little bit before Eichel got here. be a, be a whole different story if they'd have lost several of these games and they were six, eight points behind.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the benefit of, you know, the work that they've done here. Um, I don't want to say it's giving them a cushion, you know, or anything like that, but, like, you know, you're not you're not having to spend the rest of the season now. Chase, you know, you're in it. You're you're right there. You're not trying to dig out of a a giant hole. You're not expending extra energy, you know, over you know, course of a couple of weeks and some games, whatever it might be to to win. You don't have to run like Robin Leonard into the ground as a goaltender, the way that they did a few years ago with with Flurry when they were trying to, you know, get back in the race after stumbling when schmidt was suspended and all that so i mean it's the benefit to what they've done and the the way that they've set them up excuse me the way that they've set themselves up you know going forward because uh you know like it was always and we talked about this too it was like stay afloat 500 like just don't don't get buried don't don't fall too far behind and now like i mean it's like he divorced said a few a few weeks ago, like all of that is not it's not fair to them anymore. You have to almost look at it from the same expectations and the same lens that you did you know early on because they've proven they've proven that they they warrant it that they you know they're good enough.
1: David Shane, I just want you to know I do listen, so i before i so I don't forget happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, okay. What's been catching your eye around the league? What what are some of the cool stories? Islanders opened their building. Uh, Everybody said it looked pretty cool. The job well done there. Um, So we got that. They get to actually start playing some home games. What else is catching your eye? Yeah, you know,
0: I got to say, it's still a little bit from a few days ago, and, and I get that, but I was really impressed with Carolina, um, one because I thought the Knights played pretty darn well that game. I thought it spoke to a lot of you know what Rod Brindamore has done um, with that team and that organization in the last few years. For them to you know play as fast as they did, for them to you know withstand a punch on the road from the Knights and you know give back in that third period. You know the the way that Carolina did. I mean, if Freddie Anderson is, you know, the guy, of the goalie that, you know, can upgrade them in that department, that's a very dangerous team going forward. I mean, if you're Tampa, if you're some of those other teams over there, I just I'm not sure you want to see them. They've they've sort of been right there, and it it feels like you know the, a couple of those guys, you know, special Sveshnikov, like just the jump that they've taken. Um, it's it's a scary team. Uh, it, it's an impressive team. I'll I'll give them that. I, I I came away from that game really, you know, really impressed and and really thinking that that might be a team in the Eastern Conference that ends up, you know, in those last games at the end of the year.
1: Well, they're off season. They were my pick last year. It was it Carolina and Colorado? Were kind of the ones I thought. If you know, it's all about getting by Tampa. Well, okay, they didn't. But here's another kick at it. They get a year into the belt, maybe they learn something. But in the off season, you lose your goaltenders and you lose Dougie Hamilton. And, okay, Freddie Anderson pops in. Well, he's been phenomenal for them. But I thought it was kind of a, eh, so-so season for them. I mean, this speaks volumes about the job Brindamore does. He got all of this to mesh.
0: Yeah, and... You know, again, like we talked about the coaching and Pete DeBoer and the job that he's done and, you, you know, how hard it is sometimes maybe to get the credit or, or whatever when your team is supposed to be good and to actually squeeze, you know, everything out of that team. Like, that takes good coaching here. It's not, it's not always just, you know, throw the puck on the ice and let them do, you know, do what they want to do. Like, you actually have to coach a team to, you know, live up to what everybody expects of them. So, you know, it's interesting because he, he was a guy that he came in a few years ago and I wasn't sure how he was going to do if he was more of a raw, raw guy um, or if he could actually X and O and, you know, get a team to, to play a certain way and create an identity. I, I always love that, that phrase about, you know, you, you kind of take on the identity of your coach. I, I'm not sure any team in the league has taken on Identity of its coach more than the Carolina Hurricanes, to be quite frank.
1: All right, real quick, last one: Ducks and Kings. How long does this continue? Yeah,
0: (laughs) you know, probably not too much longer. I, I kind of feel like I would have a little more faith in the Kings um, to be sustainable than the Ducks. But you know, what's really interesting, I I feel like with Anaheim is, you, you know, you watch a guy like Troy Perry. Um, take that next step and, you know, become, you know, a point-per-game type guy, and you see the impact a guy like Ziggert has, and it's just interesting how quickly, uh, you know, a couple guys can make an impact and turn things around. Like, I, I feel like you're starting to see that in Detroit a little bit. You know, Raymond, Fighter, like, they're young, but, you know, you drop a couple talented players in, into a lineup and it, it makes a really big difference. All of a sudden, it makes the goaltending, you know, that much better. It makes the defense that much better. So, you know, I, I'm not sure again how long Anaheim can keep it up. Um, I feel like there's, you know, other than Getzloff, maybe not quite the veteran presence, but you know, good on those two teams for for making, you know, a really competitive Pacific Division here to start with.
1: And I'm glad cider. Got back in the lineup because that didn't look good the night he was here.
0: No, and I, I, you know, I've been struggling to try to find like a comparison of a guy that he reminds me of. Um, but I love his game. I think that he's going to be a guy for you know ten, twelve years where you know we're talking about his all star and, and all that. I, I just, I know he was a guy that that you know at the draft people said was a bit of a reach for the Red Wings, but I, I, he was he's he turned out to be. You know, I'm not jackpot, but but the right guy.
1: Hey, he's a big shot. He's a beat writer in the NHL, covering the Golden Knights, and he comes on this little piddly radio show, and we can't thank him enough. Dave Shane, the birthday boy. Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Thank you.
0: Happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, all the listeners as well.
1: He's the man. Dave Shane from the Review Journal. Thanks, bud. Hey, TC's coming up next. We'll play it back again tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.